Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, what is up? This is Hussein Talib, host of the Success Great Podcast, streaming now on Amazon Music. Inspiring stories of entrepreneurs and business education to help you raise the standards to achieve greatness. Find and follow the Success Great Podcast in the Amazon Music app to get every episode now. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Success Great Podcast with your host Hussein Talib. My guest today is Matt Me. He's the founder of Premier Team Building and in the Active Experiences. Matt, welcome to the Success Great Podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Awesome, awesome to have you here, Matt. So first, tell us a little bit about your story. Why did you choose to start a business involving building good teams? Especially we know that building teams sometimes can be difficult for some businesses or startups? Well, my my background way a long time ago, I mean, I, as a kid, I was a camper and I went through counselor and training program for three years. And then I was a, a camp counselor for two. When I went to college, I did a lot of uh, development and uh, a little bit of psychology, leadership training, did a lot of that stuff. And I went to college for uh, business and theater. So okay. after college, yeah, right. Kind of an interesting combination. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I always thought I wanted to do theater and or live entertainment, but I also really liked the leadership and the, the interactive experiences and whatnot. And I sort of, I kind of, well, not sort of, I fell into team building. I was an assistant facilitator at a program for another company and just loved it. So I started doing more and more. And then I learned how to be a lead facilitator myself. And I freelanced with a number of companies. And after a while, I finally said, hmm, I can do all of the back end stuff, the production and the office stuff, and still be on the front lines. I wa- it's tough when you're a facilitator. Some people love walking in and doing it and then leaving. And for me, I did like that, but I always felt like, oh, is there something that could be tweaked here to make this a little bit better? And and what could have been done perhaps in the lead up to it to make it a little bit stronger right now? So I I decided to start my own company uh, and I did. And it was sort of this perfect storm of every all of everything I had done up to that point kind of collided together. People say, what do you do? And I say, I take people who may or may not work together on a daily basis and put them in a room or on a beach or in a yard or whatever together, give them light competition and get them to collaborate and communicate and work together organically. Mm -hmm. And how do I, what do I do then? 
I get to use my producing background and my business background, and I get to use my theater background and do my, you know, hosting ha-cha-cha thing, but I don't have to remember lines and I don't have to hit marks and I don't have to listen to a director. And at the end, I clean up, pack up and head out and I'm done. So again, it was kind of like a perfect storm of the business and the leadership and the psychology and the theater, everything sort of collided together to put me to where I am now. No, that, that's that's an amazing story, especially that you had apparently you have passion for multiple things. But te- team building, I think, especially for businesses now, is it something that you see from your from the people who you are working with? Is it something that they are struggling to do because having a great team to work with in business or in sports, having great teams to achieve certain things? there must be some certain elements that you are looking for for the right people, right? There are. And, you know, team building in air quotes has a negative connotation. And that's one of the things that I I wrote a book last summer and discovered a lot of that. And why does it and what are the negative connotations? But coming out of this global pandemic now, um, people are recognizing and maybe even quote unquote admitting that team building, whatever that is, is more important than ever, especially since we've all or so many of us have been work from home for so long now. I hear from a number of clients and potential clients and soon to be clients and, and whatnot. So many of them are saying we have this first event, the first event in two years or the first big event in two years or or more. and half of our people have never met each other in person. They've only met each other on the phone or via uh, Zoom or or whatever your preferred platform is. So it's like, oh my goodness, yes. So they realize that it's so important to get people integrating. And face-to-face connections, person, look, we do uh, virtual experiences. They are important. They're what got a lot of people through the pandemic, right? It was it, it was like, what can we do that's fun and different? Yeah, we're still looking at this screen again for another hour or two, but what can we do that's different and at least try to have some sort of interaction with someone other than our dog or our cat or our goldfish or our husband or wife or kids or whatever that we're cooped up with all day. So there's a place for that. But as people are coming out of the, this and getting back to face-to-face, There's something that you get from somebody, and I don't want to get to sound too mystical or whatnot, but from somebody's aura or even just touching somebody, a handshake or a a elbow bump or whatever. It's just the human connection is so important. And a lot of people are having to learn how to work with people face to face again after not doing it for a year, year and a half, two years. And now with people they don't even know, too. So what can we do, we being people like me or, or the company or the HR department or whatever, to help facilitate, to make it easier for people to start doing that and then continue to do it for the benefit, let's be honest, of the bottom line. So I'm not sure. I think it's Elon Musk who lately said that working uh, remotely is not good for the business. So I assume that applies to certain businesses, but some also some people or certain businesses working remotely is 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 good. Or what I mean is that it's accessible. It's not something that you have to be in person. But at the same time, like you mentioned, 
working in the same place, giving a handshake, giving a bump, joking around. You cannot, well, maybe you can joke around when you are on a Zoom call or whatever, but but it still be different from being physically there. So the human interaction, like you mentioned, is very important. So, yeah, so from, from, from your company and the people you work with, how do you see, is there a certain, a certain fear for people to work with teams? Are certain people anxious about working with other people? And how to deal with that if there is a certain situation like this? Well, the first answer is yes. The second answer of how is much longer, but <laughs> I will do my best here. So yes, so team building, people have a feeling that it's that it's a dirty word or a naughty word. And I got, now I'm paraphrasing here. If you want to know the actual things, you'll have to look at my book. Um, but I got, I said, what do you think of when you meet, immediately think of when you hear or read team building, whether you spell it one word or two? And I got, I got some matter of fact answers. I got some positive answers, but I got a lot of negative ones that ranged the gamut from um, hell is real to um, something they make teachers do on the first day back to school to um, a day where I might hurt my eyes from rolling them back so far. So, you know, a lot of people have some very serious feelings about team building. And so then the question was, what, what's the best team building experience you ever had? And what's the worst? And why do you have such negative feelings for the people who do? And what I found in general is that it was negative experiences they had, whether it be um, a fear of heights or having to do something that they, uh, another thing they have a fear of, fear of water, fear of drowning, a uh, paintball. A lot of people think paintball is what team building is to me it's not to me that's like that's like a game you play fine but why do you want to shoot people with paint and put bruises on them and where is the team camaraderie you're basically every person for him or herself trying to take out everyone else except the people on your team if you're playing with the team so that's kind of what i got and and then you have people who are who are extroverted who say ooh team building yes awesome. Let's go. And then the people who are introverted and going, Oh my God, no, I don't want to do this. And I don't want to talk to people. So how do you get everyone to work together? There are a lot of things that we do uh, and that I do personally as a facilitator and that I train my facilitators to do. Basically we want to disarm people And how do we do that? We get them putting together, put them together in small groups, getting them to laugh together, doing silly little common things together and to forget that they're doing team building, right? So when you can get people to forget that they're there to do that and just have fun and enjoy each other. And again, I use the word organically all the time. Let it just happen. How do you do that? By giving them challenges, people And giving them competition. Now, again, not paintball. I'm talking lighthearted, fun competition. People like to win stuff. It's yeah. human. We all do, right? Yeah. So even if it's a, a fun little gold medal that you take back to the office or the cubicle or your workstation on an assembly line or whatever, it's like, hey, hey I was on the winning team, man. Right? So you mentioned competition there because I, I watch a lot of Football, I think you call it soccer. So football has like 11 players. So 
like you mentioned, everybody likes to win. So there is, for example, the trophies that the team wins, and there is the individual uh, trophies that the highest goal scorer wins, uh, golden boot or whatever. So how do you make a healthy competition between the teammates inside, especially sometimes we are we are eventually humans, so there might be some kind of a jealousy, jealousy element there. How, how do you see that, uh, having a healthy competition between teammates inside? Because if there is some bad, let's say, some bad competition, it will affect on the, uh, on the field, right? It will have bad results. They will lose. They will not do, do good. Well, um, I, I think I understand where you're going with this. And it's so you want to put what, what we do for most of our experiences, we recommend teams of 10. So we're right about that, that football or soccer team size. Right. So giving them a challenge or multiple challenges, uh, say we're it's a philanthropic program and we're going to build bikes for kids. Right. For underprivileged children. So, yes, part of it is the building of the bikes. But we don't just give you the bike kit. You have to earn that. How do you do that? You do that by solving trivia, by solving some potentially some photo challenges, some video challenges, coming up with some sort of a team commercial rah-rah spirit thing. Lots of different components that we put in. So if you know that you're on a team or Joe on a team is really mechanically inclined and is really good with working at his hands, but he is no good at at rah-rah sis boom ba. Well, then we're going to have Joe, we're going to say, Joe, are we correct by assuming you want to kind of take a back seat, so to speak, when we come up with our present, our marketing campaign, our presentation, our team cheer, whatever. But we can count on you to put a wrench and a, a screwdriver in your hand and put these bikes together properly, right? So Joe can excel at that, whereas somebody who's in marketing and sales and really enjoys being on the front line of the presentation and selling and and putting it out there, maybe that person is going to take a lead with the marketing campaign. And then you have somebody who's really good visually art uh, for the visual arts and really good at drawing and whatnot. Great. We're going to do a big, huge banner. That person's going to focus on that. So finding people's strengths and allowing them to utilize their strengths in the overall good of the for the overall good of the team to ultimately win the competition mm. so i guess i would say it's the same way and now i am not a soccer slash football person so again i don't know football all right um i do know that there's a goalie and i know that there's probably offense and defense i know that much right so if you have somebody who is really good at, at blocking you're going to put them in goalie but if that person hates being in the front and doesn't want to get a ball, you know, in his feet to try to get it into the goal, you're not going to have that person play offense. With that, because like you mentioned, there are certain qualities in certain people, right? You want to put the, the let's say, the right man or the right woman into the right place, I guess, right? It's like with with any job, with any with anything in the in the world that you want you want to try to do that, the right man or the right woman in the right place. So are is is there any certain criteria that or checklist that you have to to put this like, yeah, this is the, the, the right one for the team or this is the, the right team now together? Because like you mentioned, there are a lot of 
characteristics of people. So is there like some kind of a checklist that you can do to make sure to at least try to make sure this is the the, the, the good combination working together? There may be, and that is something that I would say the managers of the company who are my client, they got to figure that out on their own. What I do is take people who already do work together, right, and put them in a team or or divide them up into teams or who don't work together and put them in teams. So the idea is to get people doing something out of the norm. And that is an opportunity then for a manager or a director or a C-level person to say, oh, wow, those people, I've never seen them work together. But in this situation, they did, you know, boom, 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 and brought out this whole new thing. I really want to take this back to the office or to the factory or to whatever and pair them up more and let them try to collaborate more. So what personally, I don't like the checklist idea. My feeling is, Again, organically, put people together and give them a challenge because one thing that sometimes uh, clients want to do is they want to do a debrief. Mm. I totally get it. They want to find the value of what they just did and they want to be able to quantify it and analyze it and everything. But we do it if a client really wants. However, I usually say, is this something you absolutely have to have? Here's why. After you've just done this, the end of the program, you're leaving everybody on a hot. They've had fun. Maybe they're talking smack. Oh, we were robbed. Oh, that one point you beat us. You know, they're having fun. They've just worked together. They've accomplished the task, whether they've come in first place or 14th place, right? They've had fun. They've done what they were supposed to do. They've communicated. They've collaborated. They've worked together. Let them go on that. Don't beat the horse, beat the dead horse, right? Because as soon as you say, okay, now we're going to sit down and analyze it, it, it's like, well, I don't know if the soccer game analogy would work because I'm sure coaches are always trying to figure out, oh, what could we have done better? And that's a different scenario. But in, in my scenario, it's like, oh, don't make it like school. Let it keep, let it be like recess. We had a good time playing. Let's see what this transcribes to back in the workplace. How do you think or when do you think is the best times to do certain activities? Like, for example, meetings in corporations, they, they are mostly done when something goes like wrong. The team is losing, the coach is yelling and screaming. So <laughs> when is the best time to do these things? Uh, should there a business or an entrepreneur or whatever have a certain uh, time or a time slot that this is our meeting every month or every week, or it's something that happens randomly when, when it's needed? Well, I think both are acceptable answers. I really do. Now, if it's me, I, I, my hope is that, oh my gosh, this is needed. Great. Ah, this was a really, really great day or a really great experience for our team. We need to do this every quarter, every six months. Money is a factor. I get it. Don't get me wrong. One of my hopes is that companies that are continuing to have employees work from home, either part-time or fully, um, are going to use the money they may save in real estate. And it's not just office space. I mean, it, it, okay, so, well, we're still making people come in two days a week, so we still have to have the office space. Okay, but you're not using as much coffee. 
You're not using as much electricity. You're not using as many office supplies. You're, people are not taking the pens and pencils for their kids at school, right? Let's be honest, it happens, right? If you give everybody a $10 monthly office supply allowance for home, great. They're not swiping the other stuff. And, and, and the toilet paper and all these things that people don't think about are business expenses and they add up. So the money you're saving on that, I would hope, as well as the fact that we talked about before, getting people to have the human connection, companies will have a quarterly all-hands meeting or a semi-annual all-hands meeting. And yes, come together. Let the big boss give a speech. Do business stuff. But let's also do an entire team or an entire company team building, whether your company consists of 25 people total or 2,500 or more, right? Get everyone together. So your question, I don't have a specific answer. Either is correct. Now, when to do it within the confines of a conference, perhaps? I That depends. A lot of people will say, we want to do it at the end of the third day to wrap it up, leave everybody on a high before they go home, before they catch flights, whatever. Okay, that works. However, in the circumstance, like I mentioned before, where you have 50% of your workforce, they don't know each other. Hmm. Well, then my recommendation is do it on the first day. Do it right after breakfast. Do it after your CEO address. Do it after your keynote, whatever. Why? Because you get people collaborating and interacting immediately. You set the tone for the next two, three days, whatever your, your meeting or conference is. This is going to be fun. This is not what you're used to. We're all here together. Again, that we're all in it together. How many times have we heard that over the past two years? But really, it's true. So let's do that. It also serves the purpose because those people, if you don't know, if you're walking in, you're brand new to a company. What's one thing we all, I mean, I don't, I don't know how it is in, in over in your area of the world, but I know over here, there's the whole, oh, I don't know where to sit during lunch. I don't want to be with the mean girls. I don't want, I don't, you know, I don't know, right? <laughs> You're laughing. So obviously this is a universal thing. Yeah, it is a universal thing because yeah, everyone has its uh, geeks and the character and uh, some people are, there is the mean kids and there is the very nice kids and there is the, uh, so it's 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 uh, it's everywhere, right? So if you do team building at the beginning, you at least know nine other people that you've worked with that morning. So oh, okay, it's not quite as bad. I at least know a few people we can have lunch with, and then oh, I'm going to get to know more people, and it's kind of like the spider web that spreads out. So by the end of the third day, you've networked and are comfortable, and it wasn't just oh, so where do you live? Oh, what do you do for work, right? It, it's not all that small talk. You get that out of the way right at the beginning. So I recommend doing team building early on. And when I bring this to people and they think, oh, so many people say, I never would have thought of that. So let me ask you here, like, for example, when you mentioned, like, as an example, like 50% of the people who are working in the same place don't know each other. Do you think... Uh, the culture of the business or the company or, or any cul- culture is important in, the, in, the, in that place because if the company culture is spread to all people, to all employees or to all, all the team or whatever, they should be in sync. But if the culture is not spread to people who are uh, old employees or the new ones, for example, so how do you think culture is 
is affecting that team building? Everything ultimately, and when you're talking about business in whatever industry, when you're talking to the big big wigs and the board members, they want to know bottom line. How is this affecting the bottom line? Company culture is very important. And, uh, you know, Google is a good example. And, and I don't mean to promote any particular company or bash any company. I'm just using a quick example that pops into my head. From what I understand, you know, Google cafeteria, they've got pool, uh, pool tables and pinball machines and ping pong tables. And there's a, if you need to take a break, go play a game of pool, come back as long as you get your work done. I think that is a big culture, uh, a big culture positive for me. Now, I know there are people that say no way because we've got a bunch of yahoos who won't get their work done. Well, do you really have yahoos or is that how you treat them? You know, I, I I don't know. And this this gets into a business management models and that's a whole nother discussion. But I think company culture is very important. I listened to a podcast episode recently and I will give a shout out to Jordan Harbinger and the Jordan Harbinger show. It was on his podcast. Um, and he, I don't remember who it was and I apologize, but, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it was something like on the, the employees only start when they're a new employee, they only start on a Friday. If you're a new employee, you only start on a Friday at this company. And I wish I could remember the company name. And why? Because you do your orientation stuff in the morning and anything you have to do and kind of get to the work. And then after lunch, the new employee pushes around the snack cart around the office. And it has snacks and it has beer and wine and stuff. And yeah, Friday afternoon, you can have a beer if you want or a little glass of wine, whatever. But this new person is the one delivering the goods, if you will. And it allows this person to, now I'm sure they're not going to remember everyone's name, but at least meet these people. And this person is the hero bringing around the Friday afternoon snack cart, right? I mean, I wish I had thought of something like that. I think it's a brilliant idea. So that's a company culture thing. That is a little thing that, so what you're the brand new guy, when you leave, you're like, oh my gosh, this is a great company. I can't go wait to go back to work on Monday. And I want to say they also give the new guy a gift certificate to go to dinner or something that weekend to celebrate their first day, I, I think. So my gosh, talk about company culture. I want to go back. These people were all welcoming to me. Well, of course they were. You had the food and beverage cart, but regardless, yes, they were. And the company gave you that experience. So yes, I think company culture is very important. And team building is a big thing about that. One of the big, uh, big check talk about check marks and check boxes is um, with human resources is company culture and employee retention and employee happiness. So team building is one thing you can do to give people a fun outlet. They're having a good time, but they're also working together, developing relationships further, which ultimately enhances the bottom line. Answer to your do question. You think, how, how important do you think like personal relationship between employees can affect the, the business forward? Because if there is some bad relationships between employees and especially between an employee and uh, higher people, managers, For example, does that, it might, a certain day, it will come to a day where they can't work with each other anymore. So how do you prevent these cases from happening in the first place? Well, 
Look, there. I don't mean to be negative, but the realism, realistic part of me says sometimes people just don't get along and they can't be together. And in that case, you got to separate them, whether you need to move one person to another office or another city or they just need to go. Right. it, It happens. It's the reality in a team building situation. There are two schools of thought and I could argue I'm going to argue either. Or both. One is that, okay, if you know Sally and Bob just don't get along, you need to make the you need to pre-assign teams so that we are guaranteed they're not going to be on the same team. Period. If it's going to be that toxic, then it's going to affect everyone else on the team and perhaps even permeate into other teams, and they're going to sense it and see, oh crap, what's going on over there? Sally and Bob are on the same team. Yeah, I'm glad I'm not over there. Let's run the other one, right? If that happens, then make sure it's don't put them together. Now the flip side is, let's just well put them together and make them work together. You know, now again, if it's a huge toxic thing that's been going on for four years. I wouldn't do it personally, but I know some companies would say, no, this is the way it is. got to work together. Okay. Or leave it to chance. And um, in our experiences, we tell people, you know, you can predetermine teams. You can have us predetermine teams on a list with a list you give us, or we'll do it randomly at the beginning. And we have a triple top secret mathematical NASA approved method that we use. And I can't tell you what it is right now, but, and it's totally random. It's actually not that special. I mean, it's fun, but I'm not going to tell you what it is, but it makes it, it, it's totally random. It just is the way it is. So maybe Sally and Bob are going to wind up on the same team and maybe they're not. So from my experience, from what I see, it's like you mentioned, some companies force you to, if there is some certain relationship with certain people, mm-hmm. they force you eventually to work together because you have to put the personal issues aside. You are, you're here you you come to a certain place to actually work. It's not that, oh, I, I don't want to work with him or I don't want to work with her. It's it's like you have to do the job that, that you are assigned to. So uh, I think that eventually is not going to lead anywhere good. Maybe it, it can hold on for a, a while, but not for the long haul, I think. Yeah. So do you think there is something we missed talking about team building? Oh, well, I could go. <laughs> don't open up that can of worms because we'll be on here three hours later and I'll still be going on and on. You know, we, we covered a lot of the big things. Um, I talked about doing it first, making it fun. I, I think I've, I haven't specifically said this, but again, competition, lighthearted, let people fun. One of my catchphrases is Take off the sport coat, take off the tie if you're in a, a, a industry or in a, a business setting like that. I want you to come in and I want you to regress back to kindergarten, right? Just have a good time. One thing I have found in my years doing this is when you give people permission to play and not only give them permission to, but give them a job to do where they actually have to be creative and or play and or get on their hands and knees and build something, they will. But adults, and I don't know if this is a U.S. thing or, or a global thing, where we, we tend to put ourselves in boxes or we're put into boxes, whether it's a family, the relationship that we have with a, a partner or a parent or a child or 
a boss or a colleague or a principal in school or a teacher, you know, we, we play these roles and define them. Well, I break it down, have a good time, just go and play, making it fun. Uh, you know, uh, Mary Poppins, Mary Poppins, Disney movie, it's been all over the world and how many thousands of, well, hundreds of languages. What does she say? In every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. You find the fun and snap the jobs again. Well, we spend so much time working in our lives. Why shouldn't we have a little bit of fun? Why shouldn't it be pleasant? Yes, it's work. It's called work for a reason. But if you enjoy what you do and enjoy the people you do it with, or at least can appreciate them, and once in a while, every four months, have an afternoon where you do something totally different, my goodness. But that goes back to company culture right there. It's going to make things a lot more pleasant. Yeah. So um, would you say, is there one takeaway for people to take from this episode? Or is it want. just having fun while doing work, for example? Well, I think, I hope I've covered a few things. And, and one is that team building is not a bad word and it shouldn't necessarily have a negative connotation. If it's done right, it shouldn't. Hopefully you've, I've given you a few snippets of what positive team building entails. Yes, it should be fun. When to do it. When to do it based upon the people. Hopefully breaking down the fear and anxiety. All right, hold on. Maybe it's not going to be so bad. I can play to my strengths. I don't have to do something that I don't think I'm good at. So there's five takeaways. I hope <laughs> I hope people got that. Yeah. Well, thank you, Matt. Uh, where can people get in touch with you? Uh, the best place is at our website, which is premierteambuilding.com. We are based in the U.S., but we We work globally and I love to travel. So there's a really good chance if you're out of the snow, even in the States, that I'm going to be your facilitator too, because there's a lot of places I haven't been that I want to go to. So premierteambuilding.com, that'll tell you all of our social media links and there's a contact form to get in touch with me there. Awesome. Well, thank you, Matt, for being here today with me on this episode of the Success Great Podcast, talking about team building and having fun while working with other teammates. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Success Grid. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you found value in the show, rate and leave a review on iTunes. For more resources, visit successgrid.net. Until next time.